The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love. But our job, the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom, is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. All right, Andrew, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to be chatting with you today. Um, I know and I've known Andrew for very, very, I don't even know how many years, like probably over 10 years now, 12 years. 2004 or something like that, probably. Yeah, at least. Um, so we went, we went to high school together and his, it, he is probably the most, from my high school years, the most interesting character to follow. And I, I like, when I say interesting character, I don't mean like interesting character because they went in and out of jail. I mean interesting <laughs> character because like, they've sailed the seven seas and have like conquered the, you know, the lands afar. So, um, Andrew, welcome. Kind of give us like a like brief introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, I'm a professional graffiti artist. I live in Austin, Texas. Um, what does professional graffiti artist mean? I guess that just means I'm a, I'm a muralist and an illustrator that I, that does like graffiti, uh, style, I suppose. I, I learned to paint, by doing graffiti, I kind of like transferred into doing that for people. So that's what a professional graffiti artist is, I guess. Um, the vast majority of my work is for businesses. I do done a lot of hotels. Um, I've done some restaurants. I've done uh, really random stuff. I've done everything from like auto shops to lingerie stores to um, gyms, like everything, man. Anybody who wants their place to feel a little edgier and a little more um, boutique. Uh, by boutique, I kind of mean like designer. So if you want a little more of like a designer, edgy feel to your place, I'm the guy. So uh, yeah, um, I've got uh, I've got a wife and two daughters. And when I'm not painting, I uh, I like to race cars. I have a I have a a GTI that I've souped up, that I've tuned up, and I've got a Lotus Elise that I race on the track, and that's kind of my hobbies. Yeah, nice man. Well, let me let's. Uh, there's probably like, because most of this will be this will be over audio, so people won't see this. But okay. like, if if we let me paint a picture for people. Oh, you there? Sorry, had a phone call come through. Let me let me let me paint a picture for people. So. When you say graffiti, let me give everybody a little background on Andrew. So he's yeah. a graffiti artist. He's a professional graffiti artist. So most people think graffiti, they're thinking like streets of LA or like someone just tagging all this stuff. And so Andrew and I both come from a very, very conservative background. <laughs> so yeah. deep su southeastern Idaho, I said deep southern Idaho, then you would have thought like southern United States, <laughs> but... Uh, not that Southern, you can't, you can tell there's no like Southern accent, but right, right. deep Southern Idaho, very conservative, very religious. How does a, the son of a seminary institute teacher, <laughs> is, is this, is this the graffiti artist that's walking around like tagging stuff or like, how do you go from, from conservative Idaho to like professional graffiti artist? That's like a, that seems for most people, that's a big jump. Yeah, um, about like you think, actually. So it did involve a lot of tagging stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, Idaho is actually an awesome place to do graffiti. Um, so like, I, like just growing up, people uh, would often tell me my handwriting or my, my drawing style looked like graffiti. I wasn't trying to do graffiti. I just would like drawing words. And I love drawing words. I think it's a lot of fun. I get a real kick out of it, you know. Um, I draw strong my math book like anybody else. I like math but in cool letters, like everybody else, you know? I just kind of went a little bit further with it than, than everybody else. <laughs> um, like a lot of people would be like, dude, that's like gangster writing, or that's like a tag, or that's like graffiti. And then they'd be like, except a graffiti artist does this. And I kind of just like picked up little tips from people over the years, from elementary school all the way through high school. By the time I was in high school, I just gotten so many tips from people telling me like how graffiti is done, that like my style was clearly like graffiti influenced, you know? Um, and then I started looking into it. I'm like, man, there's some really awesome stuff out there. And then 
I lived by some railroad tracks. And I would see a lot of the graffiti coming in from the other cities on the railroad tracks. Um, and uh, I just got a lot of exposure that way. Um, and then I started just drawing graffiti intentionally on paper. And then uh, one day I was like, I'm gonna freaking do it. Long story short, long, long story short. <laughs> one day I was like, I'm gonna go start painting. And I painted some graffiti one night. I went out, uh, we call them a mission. I went out on a mission one night and, uh, and I painted some, I painted a, a telephone pole and it was terrible, dude. Like you couldn't even, like the paint was cheap. Uh, it soaked into the wood on the telephone pole. Like it was really bad, um, really poorly executed. I came back the next day to take a picture because I painted it at night, right? So I'm like, yeah, I probably can't see it because it's just too dark. No, it just sucked. And I came, I came back the next day to take pictures and it was garbage, but I had so much fun painting it, man. I was going through like a really stressful time that made me feel a lot better. Uh, which is not normal. Like most things you do when you're stressed out make you feel worse, you know? Like maybe you listen to music that makes you feel even more moody or you drive your car in a really like haphazard way and you might do damage to your car or something or get a ticket, you know? But going out and painting or sneaking around and climbing buildings and climbing stuff and painting and that was just fun. Uh, it was a little adventure, um, an illegal adventure, but maybe that makes it even more adventurous. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I started doing that a lot. Like a lot of nights I'd go out and I'd paint things and I would make, I would make, I'd write like poems or jokes or just typical graffiti on stuff. Um, a lot of my poems were like funny poems. I'd write things, I'd write, I'd write poems about aliens or about monsters and things like that. I just thought it was funny. It was kind of like a prank, you know? Um, but the more I did it, the more like I really fell in love with it and weirdly it made me see the whole world a totally different way so you know i realized like here i was 2 a.m up like in an abandoned tower like five stories up like with walls missing and pieces of the floor missing and i'm painting and i'm like dude i'm living outside of like i didn't think of it this way at the time but i'm like i'm living outside the matrix right now you know like i'm not <laughs> I'm not using the world in the way that it was supposed to be used. Like you're not supposed to do this. You know, you're supposed to like drive places and do stuff. And you know, you're supposed to appeal to a boss or like, or like obey um, the, you know, like you, you live under a boss, you live under a president, all this stuff. But suddenly it didn't feel like that. I'm like, I don't live. Like, like those are religions that aren't my religion. You know, like the, like the, like, the president doesn't need to be over me. He's just a guy who's over the government. What if I don't want to be a part of that, you know? And I just had like this epiphany that just made me feel so much more free. I was like, dude, I'm not living for anybody. We all own this world the same as anybody else. Um, and it just, it just shifted my whole life. And that, and that kind of became like the motivator for doing the graffiti. I wasn't trying to like be rebellious or hardcore or anything. Um, so I just got really into that. And then it got to the point where I was like, you know, what? I really want to do good art at, at some point. Um, but I was working with really cheap spray paint that I get from the, from the hardware store. Um, but I'd go buy my paints because I was doing something illegal. I'd always want to be buying it, you know, in cash with like a hoodie and sunglasses on and that kind of thing. Because in a rural town, they really try and hunt you down. It's not like in a bigger city where they have better, better things to do. Like in, in places like where we came up, they'll like, they think they're freaking, I don't know. They think you're like, what, <laughs> they think you're like Al Capone or something like that. And they'll hunt you down. They'll look for clues, and, you know. Um, they got nothing better to do. And so I was trying to be real sneaky about it. But when I wanted to get good spray paint, they don't sell that kind of stuff where we lived. I had to order it online. And I'm like, if I do this, there's definitely a paper trail. So I need, I need to find a legal way to do it. So I started going business to business and saying, hey, uh, can I paint your wall for free? And nobody said yes. Like literally nobody said yes. And I'm like, ah, I thought that was going to be easier. You know, because <laughs> a lot of the places I was asking, they already had graffiti. And I was like, I just want to paint over the graffiti. Um, but sometimes like there were city laws that wouldn't let them paint over their own walls or whatever. Um, and so I started like, I made the little Facebook page and I said, I'm a professional graffiti artist kind of paint your wall for like a hundred bucks. Uh, and people are like, hmm, 
that's actually a pretty good deal, you know? And uh, I started getting a lot more opportunities that way. <laughs> uh, people took it a little more seriously. And, um, you know, I had, <clears throat> I had some errors at the beginning, like my first few projects, even though I was charging, I was losing money. And so uh, I just found I needed to charge more and more to actually like break even, which is all I wanted to do. I just wanted to break even, you know? Uh, and uh, the, the, the city that I was going to school in had like 48% unemployment. And I was going to school in economics and uh, you know, I'd had a couple like legit jobs or like I don't know, quote unquote legit jobs, jobs that paid well over minimum wage, you know, um, for, for a student anyway. And, uh, but here I was almost an economist. I was months away from becoming an economist and I, I needed a job. And the best thing I could find was working uh, night shifts at a gas station for minimum wage. Like I never worked minimum wage in my whole life. Even I don't, and I'd always had jobs. I was 15 and I worked in potato fields and I didn't earn minimum wage. Okay. Like, uh, but here I am, you know, in my twenties, almost an economist, dude. And I uh, couldn't get anything better than that. Um, and I was like, man, this sucks. And, but I took a job because I needed it. And then a few months <clears throat> or no, not even that a few weeks of working at the gas station, somebody wanted me to paint a mural and I charged them like 1500 bucks. Uh, and that was more than I was about to make in the next three months at the gas station working nights. And like, I had like this real, like another epiphany. I was like, I don't need to do this, man. I, I have another option. You know, I can work on my own schedule. I can do my own crap. Uh, so I, I quit my job. My boss was like, yeah, I figured that was going to happen pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> you can like see the talent. He knows like, this kid's not going to be here for long. Right, right, right. Um, so fast forward, uh, I got a job um, doing as a, 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 I got hired for a job in economics in Austin, Texas. Uh, but I got hired for the job about six months before I was able to move. So they hired me. Fast forward six months, I moved down to Austin. Um, and it turns out the job that I was originally hired for uh, was being outsourced and they were really happy with the company or the person that they were outsourcing it to. So they gave me like a smaller internship and it was like, dude, I moved here for this. <laughs> um, and the internship obviously was not paying what like the, what the economist position was going to pay, not even close. Uh, and so I was trying to make up the difference by painting and uh, man, I don't, I don't know how much depth to go in here, but long story short, like I was on Craigslist hours and hours and hours a day, emailing people and setting up ads all around the country. Like I need work, you know? I, so I wouldn't say that, but I was saying like graffiti artists for hire, that kind of thing. And I just get gigs all of the, I, I, would, I, would, I flew to Chicago for 700 bucks, you know? I'm like anything, man. Um, and uh, had some really good breaks and coming. I, mean, I said, I call them good breaks, but I was on, I was, spending so much time searching. Anyway, long story short, this was, I was, in, while I was searching for a job as an economist and doing this, I realized I'm making more than I'm even hoping to make as an economist. Maybe I'll just do this, you know? <laughs> so I have, and that I've been doing this for five years this month. Yeah. Five years this month. Dang. So what, like, that, so five years ago is when, I, is when I left that internship and decided I'm not going to search for an econ job. I'm not going to go back to school. I'm just going to do this full time. So I've been doing this full time for five years. So there, there's a lot of nuggets there that we'll, we'll dive into. There's a lot of like golden nuggets there. But that, so that, that five years, that was like up until that, the last five years. So that five years, what like, and again, you don't have to give details, but have you been able to provide not, well, you race cars, so that's that's expensive hobby. But Dude, I, can't think of, I can't think of very many more expensive hobbies than racing cars. Maybe racing airplanes, you know, or boats yeah. or something. <laughs> yachts, yeah, yachts. Yeah. The next, you know, airplanes and then yachts. But so, like, obviously, you're able to provide for yourself very well doing doing graffiti. But it's for people that meet you now, they might think dang, Andrew's just talented, he has connections, he has networks, he has a following, but yeah. like, how many years did it take to get to where you are now? I, not as many years as it probably should have, 
but <laughs> but that's because of the hours that I put in over those years, you know, like, yeah. like, the, like year number one, I wouldn't pay somebody to do what I, what I did, man. Like anybody that I paid to do that would feel like I was abusing them. Like, you know, like it was not pleasant. The number of hours I was working, I was probably sleeping less than three hours a night for months straight. Like I was just like going hard, just like going and going and going and going and going and trying every different direction I could think of, you know, um, it's, I was emailing hundreds and hundreds of people who weren't emailing back or they're emailing back with like really pathetic business offers, you know, um, uh -huh. uh, it's just like really frustrating, really tough. Um, but I did that all day, most of the night for months because I'm like, I have to, I don't know what else I'm going to do. You know, cause if I, yeah, basically the way I treated it, um, I just told myself, I was like, okay, I've got my bachelor's. I'm going to treat my next three years like I would like a master's or a doctorate degree. And I'm like, I thought to myself, I'm like, what would I have to go through? Like what level of effort would I have to go through if I went back to school? And I'm like, if I treat this as like my own PhD program, I'll bet you by the end of it, I'll make more than I would at a PhD. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the mindset that I had. So, I, so there's, let me ask you a question though. So like, the reason most people do a PhD, they don't, they're not going to say this, but the actual reason most people do a PhD is because they suck at self-accountability. So they have, <laughs> to pay, they have to pay a ton of money. They say, okay, I'm gonna, what's going to keep me accountable? Debt is going to keep me accountable. So I'm going to take all this debt and I'm going to go to the school where there's a hundred of hundreds of people and a professor to keep me accountable so I can learn. Like if I wanted to be a doctor and pass the bar exam, mm -hmm. I could probably study like an MD, I could study and do all that work by myself, but I'm not disciplined enough to do it, right? So I have to pay all this money and, and tell someone to hold me accountable. I have to like literally tell someone, hey, give me a deadline for homework that I should be doing anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's like having a personal trainer, right? Like you don't need a personal trainer to work out. You just need somebody to keep you accountable. And, and that's what school is, right? That's, that's all school is, <laughs> because we can do everything outside of school by ourselves. So, but you didn't do that you did it yourself. So how did you self-discipline yourself? Uh, I was poor and I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> <laughs> but like your day to day, like there's plenty of poor people out there, but like, instead of putting their nose to the grind and, and sending out, Hey, I, this is me. This is my work. Hire me, you know, on Craigslist, on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you were like messaging people and, and trying to make connections. Like yeah. how did you discipline yourself despite the, no responses despite the poor offers despite all that because people go through that and then after like a month of like not getting anywhere anywhere they're like oh, i'm done they give up yeah um man it's a good question like where did that i just so i had i had I, like every now and then i get an opportunity and i was like man i'd be really i feel really blessed to have found that opportunity and i took those as signs that like there was real possibility here I just had to dig for it. You know, maybe it's like somebody who go like one of the 49ers who goes out and like digging for gold and they're like, Oh, this could, like, I found a gold nugget, a gold nugget. And it might not be much, but I know I can do this, you know? And I find these little gold nuggets, like these little opportunities here and there. And, and I'm like, I can see it. Like I can just like, I can, if I can get one of these, like one or two a month, man, if I can just like, if I can, if I can dig, if I can cover enough area, throw my net wide enough and don't cast my net frequently enough, I know like I can make this freaking happen. Um, and if I do well enough, I can even up my price and I can do, I can get more and more and more. And I just, you know what? Um, this is a really corny reference, but like in Harry Potter, uh, the one where he sees uh, he, he, where he like uses his wand, he's like at the lake, he uses his wand uh, to make like a deer, like a stag, right? Huh? And uh, he sees that it's him. And then he's like, how, if you haven't seen Harry Potter, this makes no sense. <laughs> but if you have seen it, he, oh, Patronus, is that right? The Patronus yeah. spell? Yeah. He casts the Patronus spell. And then later on, he goes back in time or forward in time. I can't remember, but he, the only reason he's able to do the spell is because he saw himself doing it 
earlier. Yeah. And by traveling in time, he's, he's, it's complicated. Time travel is always hard to explain, but he freaking, anyway, he saw himself in the future doing it. And that's how he knew he could do it. And that's how like, it, like I could see myself doing it, man. I just like, I could just see it happening. And that was really motivating. And then also being poor and realizing if I don't do this, I'm going to have to put a lot of, I'm going to put all this effort that I'm putting into finding gigs. I'm going to put all that effort into finding a job. And if I put all that effort into finding a job, I'm not going to be able to put it into finding gigs. And hopefully I find a good job. I don't know, you know? Um, yeah. So a combination of just being hungry and like being able to get enough of a bite of it that I could see it in my future and like really believing it. But it's hard because like I see a lot of people who believe in themselves who are full of crap. And I'm like, man, like I don't see that in you. You know, <laughs> you know, so like you, you see people who just, who just dream and they're full of it, you know? And I was like, how do I know I'm not one of those people who are just full of it? And so it was like always, a, I didn't know, but like, I thought I th it makes sense to me. I'm running the numbers. I think I can do it if I put the effort in. So when did you feel like you made it? You're like, when you do the grind and the grind's not over, but the grind's like not a grind anymore. It's like, this is actually reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had a few, I had, I had a few misfires there. I had, a, <laughs> I had, I had uh, a, a really big show, a big solo show, like right after we started, somebody thought that we were bigger than we were. And, and they paid us to come and show our art in their gallery. Normally it doesn't work that way. Um, and the gallery bought art from us and people who were there bought art from us. And uh, we had a huge, we had over seven people attend. It was an awesome show. And this is exactly five years ago from now. So like I hadn't really, I, like, I technically wasn't even doing this full time yet. That, but that was what made me decide to do it full time. And they were asking me what you're asking me right now. How did you know when you made it? I'm like, bro, technically I haven't gotten my diploma yet. You know, like, <laughs> uh, um, but then about a year, less than a year later, I started getting these jobs with four and five star hotels and restaurants. And those were paying each gig was paying more than I had ever made in a year before that, you know? And that was very inspiring. Um, and that was when I thought I had made it, but I had all my eggs in one basket and that, that burned to the ground. Um, had a really bad partnership. Somebody was doing, there was a middle person and the middle person was being dishonest with my clients. I didn't know. Um, and long story short, having that representative be dishonest with the clients that didn't work out too well for us. And uh, that whole market dried up for me. I lost my entire network and I'd start building all over again. Um, and I was like, dude, I don't think I'm ever gonna be as successful as I was when I had this middle person from New York City going out around the country and getting me gigs all over the place that were massive gigs, you know, 20 to 50 grand a piece. And, and it only take like, me like two weeks to paint. So it's like, man, if I can get these 20 to 50 grand gigs once a month, I'd be, yeah. you know, I'd be freaking killing it. So I got a taste of that and then it ripped all away from me, but I knew it was out there still. I'm like, okay, maybe my network's gone, but I know those gigs exist now. And I know yeah. that I know that I can do them and I can make them happy because they came back to me over and over for those things. And it's like, I just got to hold out long enough to start earning those gigs again, to like build that reputation on my own. And then maybe I can get what her cut was because because she was getting I was getting 20 to 50 grand a gig. She was getting triple that per gig for getting me, you know, yeah. um, and which is OK. I'm, I'm fine with that. I have to off of it. Um, but this tells me how much money there is in this if I can do it right. You know, yeah. Um, so I had a really rough year. That year sucked. Like that year we went into major debt uh, for like the first time ever. Um, my, we had some major medical debt. And my, we were already pregnant with our first daughter. So like, uh, I, and I was, I was starting another business and that business, uh, I had a partner uh, who walked out and stole a bunch of money from the business. I had, I started a paint store in Austin and that paint store went under because of some regulations that really screwed us over. Um, and I got stuck with, you know, a lot of inventory that I, I couldn't really use and the paint was starting to go bad. Like it was, a really freaking rough year. That was 2016. 
all right? 2016 just sucked from the very beginning to the very end of it. That was just a sucky year. <laughs> um, 2017 though, um, I got kind of my feet back under me. I was starting to get the gigs again. I got my prices up. Um, so like I, 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 I didn't just raise my prices. Like I earned those prices, right? Like I had my portfolio in a place where I could raise my prices. I was starting to get a big enough reputation. Um, and I, I didn't have to go looking for gigs anymore by the end of 2017. I haven't gone and like chased down a gig in like basically since 2017. Um, I haven't had to, I used to go door to door, business to business, like trying to get murals. I don't have to do that anymore. I haven't, I haven't looked on Craigslist for a gig in years, you know? Um, so would I say I've made it? I don't know. It's hard to say, but I have a house. I have a, a, a I have cars that I love provide for my family. My wife is a stay at home mom, you know, she were, and she works with me, she works a lot with me. Um, but, uh, I would say probably when we were able to get, when, when I was able to like prove that we could have a house, um, I would say about then is when I really felt like I made it, you know, um, it's not like I never worry that like things could go bad. Like I just finished like a month and a half where we had no work and I saw no potential for work in the future. We had so many gigs fall through all at once. I was like, I don't know where our next gig is coming from. Uh, but this week we've gotten like five gigs, you know? <laughs> I, I, I had a meeting with my wife and my sister yesterday who were just helping me trying to figure out my calendar for the next week, right? Um, I, now we're swamped. So I don't know if that really answers your question or not. But No, uh, it's, it's good. It's good, like, because a lot of people see – a lot of people look like, what's the formula for success, you know? And there, there's like patterns, but there's no formula, for you know? Sure. And there's, there's traits of successful people. And I think there's a couple themes that are coming out in this. It's like, one, you never gave up on yourself or your dream, but you're willing to be flexible on how you hit that, right? Because <laughs> some people are like, I have this dream and I'm only going to get it this way. And you're like, I have this dream. I don't care how I'm going to get there. I'm just going to get that dream. That, if that means going door to door. I'm going to door, go door to door to businesses and ask yeah. them if they want a graffiti artist. Like, like <laughs> I teach a lot of door to door reps and going door to door to sell graffiti is kind of like one of the hardest things ever. A lot of, um, a lot of no's. That's true. Mostly no's. Almost all no's. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, yeah. And then, and then also, so you, then you, so you have, you're willing to do something out that, but you're also willing to self, put yourself out there and be like, and do, do work. So you can build your portfolio. So later you can charge like a lot of us just say, Hey, you should just charge me or I'm not taking the job. You know, yeah. you're like, I'll do the job for free because I, I need to do something that's better than nothing. Well, I always charged. I tried to do it for free and nobody took it. So I'm will I was willing, but it didn't work. Um, I always had to charge something. Maybe I wasn't charging enough, uh, to like really provide for myself. Um, but I was always charging something. And I was, and I'm always, I've always been willing to trade with people and that's always been good. And that's been really good for me. I know that doesn't work for everybody, but I've had a lot of success in like trading services with people, you know, it's like, especially when we didn't have a lot of money, we had a lot of car problems, you know, that's just how being poor goes. Anybody who's been poor knows how having a, having a, a car when you're poor works and it, it's never very nice. Um, at least it wasn't for me. <laughs> and, and I would trade with a lot of auto shops. I'd be like, Hey man, I blew up my motor for the third time. If you could, uh, I'll paint something for you if you can help me out with my motor, you know? And I did a lot of that, a lot of that. I, you know, I've probably traded $20,000 of car work, you know, uh, from mural <laughs> and not even playing. It's embarrassing almost, <laughs> but you know, finding opportunities, you know, it's like, uh, to me, um, I'm just, I'm just like, if they're not willing to put something into it, I don't need to give them something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe I don't need to charge them cash, but if they're not willing to put themselves out a little bit, it would be wrong of them to expect me to put myself out a little bit. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, you know what? Fine. You don't got to pay, but if you want me to work five days for you, you should at least give me a, something uh, comparable, you know, maybe not time, but value. You know, maybe you can do that much yeah. value one day of work, whatever, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Makes, um, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, but like 
some of the clients that I had back then are repeat clients that I work with today, you know? So like there's clients back then who I worked for, for like $700, um, where I did a lot of work for like $700 and those same people I've made over a hundred thousand dollars from later on, you know? And, uh, but I always had a good work ethic. I never treated somebody like they owed me more than we agreed to. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Like if, like if I had a deal with somebody like, Hey, I'll do, I'll do your whole room for $700. Now I would probably charge, you know, like 15 grand for that, but I never treated them like they owed me more than $700. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of people do that. They're like, yeah, I agreed to this, but you know, you, you, I'm cutting you a deal. You like, you owe me one. And no, they don't owe you crap, dude. You had a deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like there's, I, there's two parts of your business. There's like the art side and there's the business side. Yeah. So what would you say you spend most of your time on the art yeah. side? And I'm sure it changes over time. I, I get that. But what, like, where do you spend your time? Business. Business side. Okay. Yeah. yeah most definitely. So I, like, I love the art and I have a lot of fun with it and I try to make the business an art in itself. Um, but I spend a lot of time doing emails. Um, I probably spend an hour or two a day networking, like meeting up with people um, or like giving estimates, you know. Uh, I do, uh, I talk with people online a lot. So like I'm active in, in several like um, Facebook groups for, for contractors, home developers, um, cars, uh, you know, things that I'm interested in that I'm, that I'm, that I have fun talking about, but with people who are capable of buying uh, a large amount of art, you know? Yeah. And, and you're, I'm guessing you're not like the first thing you get in that group and you're, you're like a wolf. You're like, Hey, who are the people that are going to buy my art? And you just start direct messaging. You're not doing no, that. Right. Do that, dude. That's so gross. That's really gross. Um, no way. Like instant turn off. Right. No, yeah. like, you got to show your expertise and be curious about other people. Right. So, um, like nobody wants to, wants to feel like they're being pitched to or sold. Right. So like, if you, if somebody comes up to me selling something, my first reaction is I'm not going to be stupid. No. Right. Like I'm not going to get suckered. Even if it's a perfectly good product or a perfectly good deal. My first impression is I'm not going to be a sucker. You know, I need to think about this. Um, and, but when people come to you, it's obviously the opposite, right? Like if they, if you become the expert, People are like, hey, I know you and any almost anybody that I know in my network who like hears about a graffiti opportunity, I'm the first person they think of because I'm active. I talk to them like they know me, right? Like even if they haven't met me, they know me online or they have met me, but it's been years since we talked. Like because I'm active and like I'm social um, and I'm not cringy, you know, by just like pitching my crap all the time and asking for, for, for like business. Um, and they know that I, they know that I'm respectable and I, I, I stand by what I do. People refer me to people constantly. So, uh, so those are, I don't, does, does it answer your question? Yeah, no. And the, the point I'm getting with that is a lot of times, like in any business we're in nowadays, because the, the ease of social media, like I can literally get on LinkedIn and like anybody that's on there, I can type them a direct message, you know, and I probably get like three to four messages a day of people just direct selling me stuff, like not trying to add any value, not trying to do anything. And so I think it's important for people to realize is even though it's easy to connect to people nowadays because of like social media and the way our like communication networks tied together, there's not yeah. like a distance of six people. It's like a distance of two with anybody. Um, yeah. you, you still have to like follow certain rules of engagement, I guess if you call them. Yeah. And that's, like that, well, that's what you're doing. Church. It's like you and I grew up Mormon and in the church, you know, like it's a, like everybody contributes, like everybody's supposed to contribute and there's always opportunities for everybody to contribute. Sometimes we all need a little help with one thing or another, you know, whether it's like, I don't know, you need help in your yard or you need a little welfare, you know, something like that. Um, and if you've been good to people and you ask them for help, guess what? They're going to come to your aid because they love you. Um, and there's like, there's like that kinship there. Right. 
but like if you show up out of nowhere asking for help people even in a church dude people are not really going to want to help you out and i think like we need to be as as people who who like sell and do business we got to realize like the people who do business with us they are helping us out you know like we get to do something that we enjoy we get a free lifestyle i I mean that's the way i feel anyway you know i have a super free lifestyle i get to spend a lot of time with my family and being a freaking artist dude and i know that's only possible because people trust in what i do and believe in me enough to let me tattoo their building, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if they didn't trust me, like I wouldn't have this living. Um, yeah, I'm doing them a service. And if I didn't like offer them a service equivalent to what they were paying, I wouldn't have a business, right? But they gotta trust me first if the deal doesn't happen. And yeah. um, and I think that's super important with business, man, is that you don't just like I realize, like I've I've done door to door too, and those are those are cold, cold uh, knocks, right? Um, but like, especially if you're in an online community, there's a lot that you can do to be uh, helpful to that community before uh, before you expect it to come back to you. Yeah, yep. And sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it does. But that's that's yeah. the like inside you have to have, and that's what I love about business nowadays. And the, the trend is you have to have this give mindset and more times than not, it'll pay you back, but you can't expect it to. <laughs> yeah, we look at like a good example would be like sponsorships. I got a buddy uh, who is a professional race car driver and you know, he has all these sponsorships and you might look at him and be like, dude, how do I get sponsors to give me stuff? You talk to him. That's not the question. The question is how do you find ways to give sponsors stuff? And that's how you get sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it might be different when you're in like formula one or NASCAR or something like that, where you're like a huge internationally watched series, you know, then like you're actually offering a lot of advertising. Um, and that's actually yeah. what, but if you're not like in the top, like three series and one of the top three drivers in the world, don't expect people to just be like, Hey, you're a good advertising opportunity. It's the internet, dude. You can put, you can put your ass in front of anybody on their phone closer than your car will ever be to their face like every single second of every single day and they can pick yeah. exactly what kind of demographics gonna see that ad you're not gonna help them with ads you know like not really um it doesn't matter how cool or popular you think you are you know doesn't matter if you got twenty thousand instagram followers they can they can instantly go buy a hundred thousand eyeballs anytime they want to you know um yeah. so so what you gotta what you first gotta ask is like what can i do for them and that sounds obvious but like really dude like what can you do to help a community and then then it comes back around yeah i would say almost always it comes back around if you're actually offering something um of value like that crap comes back you know yeah so i know we're getting a little long here but so i want to start to get towards a few tying some of these threads together and the goal of like the reason I have these conversations, these interviews, is so people can see there's there's common patterns that people use and like skill sets and, and disciplines they do to find freedom in their life. And that's like one thing. Well, I, actually, I want to share this experience. So yeah, like with Andrew, so I've known Andrew since high school, and there's there's a few things that have always made him stick out to me. Um, he is obsessive about mastering his craft. Like I don't remember anybody that was. Like he would, I, anytime I've ever seen Andrew, he was always doodling, like all <laughs> the time. And like, I remember from like, and you don't ever see anybody doing graffiti in Idaho. Like it just doesn't exist. Um, I don't think it exists in most places because that's like a covert operation. But like, he was just always, always, always doodling. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if this is going to pay off someday, this like obsession. And uh, <laughs> like, Thankfully, you were able to combine, combine like business to do that. But I think in terms of like we all, I, I really truly believe all of us have something inside of us, like a gift that's meant to help others, but also help to make us free. And that's different for everybody. Yeah. And it's really, it's a true tragedy when someone has that gift and doesn't use it to one, help others or two, like really free their life. And you've used a gift to really like 
obviously bring value to people. Like if you guys follow Color Cartel, that's their business online, like you are gonna see some amazing inspirational art. Like even if you're not an art fan, like you're gonna watch that and be like, wow, that's a really cool perspective on that reality they're pulling through this medium called graffiti. And so like, what if, like, if you had to summarize that, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but like, how have you been able to use that gift and amplify it to find that freedom and that joy in your life? Because the freedom's not just financial freedom, the freedom's also like that freedom of expression, like mentally, physically, like politically. How, what, like, anyway, yeah, how have you used that gift to find that freedom? Uh, so, yeah, so like, first of all, just being able to spend my time with my wife and my daughters the way that I want to. Holy crap, dude. Like, what more can you ask? You get, I get to, my, like, I get to spend all, like, as much of my time as I think most moms probably do with my own kids. Yeah. That's so cool. And I spend all my time with my wife. And I love my wife. She's a, she's a bad A, dude. I get to spend all my time with her, hanging out with her, painting with her. She paints with me, you know, and uh, I love that. Like, there's, no, there's nobody on this planet rather do anything with than with Nikki. Um, so, like, that's, like, the first part of the freedom, you know? And then, and then I can take off and go wherever I want, anytime that I want. You know, like, we can go on vacation. I don't have to ask permission. I just go, you know? <laughs> we just do it. And half the time, I'm able to find work when whatever city I'm vacationing in and pay for the vacation, you know? I, like, uh, I went to, like, like just recently, um, you know, we had about a month and a half where we didn't have any murals hardly. I was like, I don't know, but we want to go visit my grandparents, but I, I don't know. I, we haven't been getting any work really lately. Maybe I should stay home and try and find some more gigs or something. Or just like, I don't know. I don't really try to find gigs. I don't know. It just magically happens nowadays. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so I just called a client who's been working with me uh, since I first started. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go visit my family. Uh, he's about three hours from my grandparents. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to be in town, more or less, uh, next week. Uh, do you have any walls you need painted? And he's like, yeah, I can find some. And he gave me three murals to paint. And it like, it, it more than paid for the vacation. <laughs> so but you have to ask. You have to ask the first place. Yeah. But like, he's, all, he's also probably hired me for over 10 murals before, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've been like, he's, he hired me before he opened his first store and he's been with me since I first started. My prices have probably like quadrupled since we started working together, but, but uh, you know, we have a really good relationship. And I've always treated him really well and he's always treated us really well. And so when I called him and said, do you have any walls that you need painted? He was like, yeah, man, I'll find some. And uh, you know, so, so what I'm trying to say is, I'm not looking forward to like those two weeks a year when I, when I'm going to go on Christmas vacation or whatever, like it's whenever, like if, like if I want to go to the racetrack to race, I go to the racetrack to race. If I want to go swimming with my kids, I go swimming with my kids. If I want to go to a matinee instead of the evenings, I don't want to skip traffic. That's what we do. You know, we go to the matinee movie, you know, whatever. It's yeah. so nice. But what, but what was the price you paid for that though? That's the key there. There's a price you paid for that. What was the price you paid? uh the risk man it, the, it was it's the it's the risk and the hustle you know um it's, it's it's having a stomach for saying okay i haven't gotten any work in a month and a half have i been sowing enough seeds for the last five years that i'm confident that it'll be okay and some people would be like panicking and going and looking for work um, thankfully we have enough savings that it's not too big of a panic, but still you'd like to have money flowing still, you know? Um, and I have a much higher risk tolerance than a lot of other people. And that's kind of, that's kind of just a fact. Like I'm a way riskier person. And, uh, but I'm also the kind of person who like, I legit give more than I take. I feel like, you know, like I give a lot, um, to my communities, um, I, I help out a lot with a lot of people. A lot of people know who I am because I'm very active in the communities that I'm active in. I meet with people for dinner and lunch, even though it's inconvenient a lot of times, you know, because it's friendships that I'm building, not just like clients, like I'm building friendships. I'm building friendships with people who I don't think will ever be able to afford my art, um, but I still care about them. 
And if I don't care about them, it shows, right? <laughs> um, and in the end, like I have, I have friends who think about me and when opportunities come up, like they mention my name and uh, they mention my name to people who do have that money, you know? And uh, so, I, so I, I put in so many hours doing the hard grind at the beginning, like I mentioned before on Craigslist and stuff. Um, but in the end, like I think a lot of it just comes down to faith that the risks and the work will pay off. And, uh, and then also like investing in myself, right? So like I've, I've put a lot of time into my website. Whenever, whenever work is slow, that's, that means it's time for me to work on my social media and my website or to get in good shape just personally, you know, so I feel better. You know, so I, I'll do a lot of biking and lifting and stuff like that in my downtime. I just try to never be a downer, you know? Like yeah. I don't, I don't ever just chill really <laughs> and that's yeah. the price. but for that price i'm a free man you know yeah. um i i do whatever the crap i want you know i have i have exactly the hobbies that i would have if i was a gazillionaire you know i think uh, maybe i might be in that, that airplane racing thing you know but but <laughs> but you know like i love i love racing cars and that's what i do you know if i was richer i'd race cars more that's it you know that's uh, yeah you know, um I, I live, I, I sat down with my wife um, last year and we kind of like made a list. Like what would we do if we had like $50 million right now? Like what, like what are we not doing in our lives that we're waiting for when we're rich? And we took that list and basically said, okay, here's the things that we would do. And we found ways of doing those things uh, for surprisingly cheap, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'd like an exotic car. I'd like to go to Japan. I'd like to do this. I'd like to race cars. I'd like to do that. You know, I'd like a half pipe in my backyard. I'd like a racing simulator in my living room. We freaking did all of it, you know? And you don't need to be a millionaire to do all that stuff, you know? But you do need to have, so like, like you need, do need to have your own uh, freedom over your own life to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and because I'm, because I'm willing to do the heart, that, that hustle and then handle that risk and invest into my own company, if you want to call it that, you know, invest in my own self and invest in my website, invest in good equipment, invest in good insurance, invest in, you know, good photography, like these kind of things to make me better and, or like at least be perceived as being more valuable. That's how I'm able to have the freedom. Yeah. Love it. So it's not one thing, right? Like it's, it's a lot of things. It's a, it's, it, business is an art, you know, and, and by, by like, just like when I'm painting a piece, so like I've, I've painted the letter A hundreds and hundreds of times, right? But each time I'm kind of like, how can I take this A and make it better than I've ever done? Like, what can I do to make this A have like the bigger impact than I've ever made it have? And each time it's a little different. Sometimes it's way different. I try lots of little things. Um, and that's how business is too, you know? And, and, and in the end, you know, your, your productivity and you're trying different things, like it'll, it'll pay off if you're being thoughtful about it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's, I want to just like sit, just listen to this whole thing. So for everybody listening, like th there are some huge nuggets here and I think you caught them, but to, to sum a couple things up, like from what Andrew said, there, there is like freedom, but that freedom comes with a price and that's, that's some risk. That's some guts, a few, some sleepless nights, a, a years of sleepless nights, yeah. but like it's, it's worth, it's worth the price you pay, you know? And like, yeah, like I can't sum up everything because it's just so good. I, well, I appreciate you for coming on this, Andrew, like having yeah. that conversation, you know, because I think there's, you have valuable insights. Go ahead, sorry. Doctors and stuff are doing, right? Like they go to medical school and they have sleepless nights and they're reading in the bathroom, they're reading in the shower, and then they're going and taking tests that no matter how, how much they read, they're still underprepared. And, you know, like they, they do the hard stuff. There's no, there's no way to make the money and earn that money and have a, and I don't even think they have a lot those guys don't even have a free lifestyle, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. But like, but there's no way to, I don't, I mean, there's exceptions to the rule, right? But for the most part, I think it's very safe to assume that you're not going to have like that free lifestyle without doing something a little unusual, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it is unusual, but if you talk to people that do it, it, it works out for them. And it's a beautiful thing when it does. And, we, and it's super gratifying knowing that you're the one who went out and killed it and brought it home and your family gets to eat it, you know? Like, that's cool. That is cool. 
Okay, well, so everyone, like, digest what Andrew said. I think it's going to take me a couple listens to get everything out of it that I can glean out of it. I'll probably be listening to this for years from now just because it's, it's good con It's It's not like good content. It's like transformational stuff. So um, check out Andrew on Color Cartel. He's also on Instagram, Color Cartel. And, like, like if you want to fill your feed, again, people – this is another side tangent, but people complain about how bad social media is. It's because you're following bad people. <laughs> like, just <laughs> – <laughs> just if you if you fill your feed and unfollow the bad and follow the good social media is an awesome experience and, and color cartel is one of those experiences that you can have on your feed you're like these are good people doing great things and it's worth it. Any, anything else you want to add on that andrew oh thank you so much uh no i don't really think so man that, that was that's really nice of you thank you um i would i would just say for anybody that wants that, that is like considering you know, trying to make, uh, trying to make, I would say for everybody trying to be an entrepreneur, I guess, like work for themselves or sell or anything like that. Just uh, always remember that the people that we, that we, that we get business from, that they're doing us a big favor and, uh, and to have that humility. I think that that's, for me, that's a big key in my life. Um, and I think, Humility goes a long way. I don't know. You can probably cut that out. I don't know. But I just, I just want, it's something I've been thinking about lately, you know, um, is, uh, is that humility and not trying to be too big, right? It's okay to, it's okay to like pump yourself up a bit, but we're all just guys in, we're having hopefully fun doing what we're doing or else you should just not do it. It's not, it's not a very worthy hustle probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, anybody who wants to follow me on Instagram or uh, at, at Color Cartel, um, you're welcome to message me if you have any questions. And uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not too busy to talk to people. That was Andrew Horner of Color Cartel. Say that three times fast. Please check him out. Also, if you like this podcast, subscribe or leave a review. And if you'd like to see anybody that you felt that's really found freedom in their life, that can have their cake and eat it too, please let me know. We'd love to hear from you.